0: tonight um I'm so excited about well, what the Lord is doing uh, I'm telling you Sunday night um you know I don't know how many of you were able to get to the revival that we had in Florence um and um there was just a, a mighty move of God within that the Lord has been speaking with me um and sharing with me concerning this revival and I truly believe that something is going to break out outside of what's planned. I believe the Lord is going to release some things um, and um, stir up some things and raise up some things and, and open up glories and touch us and um, just really release some transformation in the lives of people. And so make sure you, you make it your business to come and also to bring somebody with you, as we just we're just believing God for a supernatural encounter with Him on Sunday, Amen. The Lord has been dealing with me about that this assignment for quite some time, um, and speaking to me concerning revival. I believe that we we are re, re, uh, I, I believe that I am personally revivalist, and I believe that we have a a a culture of that's bent on releasing revival. We're glorious remnant revival community. And so I know God is going to move. Everybody say position. Amen. Amen. Position is very key in this hour. One thing that the enemy is working to do in this hour is to attempt to get us out of position because um, everything that God wants to accomplish on, in our life, in, it hinges on us being able to be placed in the position he wants to get us in in order to release that which he wants to release. Um, he's, this is a strategic time. This isn't a time to be operating in compromise this isn't a time to be operating in disobedience. This isn't a time to be back and forth into sin. You're going to find yourself out of position for what the Lord um, is releasing. And um, it, well, the thing about it is, you, you, me and you may not get this opportunity again. And I don't do that to lick fear. But the Bible says, call on the Lord while he may be what? Found there that if, if we can call we must call on him while he may be found, then there's obviously a time where we, we can call on him and we, we will not find him. That we have to some degree so uh went left when God told us to go right that we'll never completely get back to the place that we know God has called us to. The Bible calls it a seared conscience. It's when we have went so far in the wrong direction, even though we knew what was right, that we'll never fully be able to commit back to what's right. Amen. And so this isn't when we're talking about positioning. We're talking about holiness, purity, sanctification, being set apart. And that's the the, the type of deal that I believe that that I want to share with you today. I believe, again, that this is a positioning word and a positioning teaching that I'm going to share with you um, even on to that tonight. Amen. And, and, and um, I believe it has a to help position us in sobriety. I believe sobriety is an important position right now. I believe it's, it's key to be sober. I, I believe that we, we have so um, made God like us instead of understanding we're called to be like him. But we've so made God like us that we don't fear God like we need to fear God. There's just a fear of God that's lacking in his church. And we, we just believe that the Lord is winking at some of the things that we're doing and um, is keeping us out of position. And so one of our positions is soberness, sobriety. Everybody say be sober. Amen. Soberness is a key component in what God wants to accomplish in this time with us. Amen. And so I want to um, deal with you on some foundational things. And the topic that I'm going to deal with today, I'm going to deal with the, with the commandments in general. I'm going to deal with Exodus 20 and the commandments, but I'm going to deal with the third commandment specifically um, and help us understand some things about that that have to do um, with getting us in proper position. I'm going to deal with the third commandment um, particularly, but I'm going to deal with the commandments in general as well. And so um, it's, it's it's foundations um, for perfection and power. Amen. These are foundational understandings that we need for perfection and power. Amen. And this is, um, we're not going to, I'm not going to be teaching like this every week as we're about to start D groups, so we'll have Bible studies where you break off into your small groups within the campus. And um, the next week I may do this, so we won't do this every week. Um, starting after, um, starting next week, um, once we start D groups, um, you'll probably be in your small groups next week. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, and so let's let's go into this, um, the third commandment. And um, if we look at the third commandment, it's Exodus 20, verse number seven. Um, And and I'm I'm just going to pray real quick, and we'll read this. Father, we just thank you, and we bless you right now for the power of God to speak to us clearly. Um, It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Um, Exodus 20 and 7 says this. It says, um, thou shall not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain, right? You know, um, we know the first, thou shalt not have any other God before me, that thou shall not make any graven image or likeness, and then thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in what? Vain. Amen. We're going to zero in on that, but I'm going to deal with some principles first because I, I need us to understand the role of the law right now in the dispensation of grace, right? I need us to understand that. Um, And so my first topic and what I want to deal with is where does the law fit in our faith? Being that we're in the dispensation of grace, where does the law fit into that? Do we just simply, as many say, um, we just We're not in the dispensation of the law anymore. We're in grace. So we don't need to know that. We don't need to read that. We don't need to understand the law. The first thirty nine books of the Bible are pretty much optional. All we need is the last, what, twenty seven books. Is that the approach we need to take? Um, So where does the law fit in our faith now that we are no longer under the law? Um, I believe that's answered in Romans 10, verse number four. It says, watch this. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. Right. I say that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. Everybody say for righteousness. What is it? What doesn't it say? This is where we get messed up. And this is where we don't understand the imperative nature of the law. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. It doesn't say or not. Watch this. Christ is the end of the law, period. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. Christ is not the end of the law, period. I need us to understand that first and foremost. I'm going to say that again. Christ is the end of the law for the purpose of obtaining righteousness, But Christ did not end the law, period. So uh, we need to get that first because if we don't, we're going to be messed up. And that's why there's a lot of people messed up right now because they say Christ ended the law. No, he didn't end the law. He ended the law for the purpose of obtaining righteousness. You got to read that. So the law yet has a purpose that is very much necessary today if we're going to walk in righteousness. It's just not to obtain righteousness. The purpose of the law pretty much simply can't be applied to possess righteousness what is righteousness right relationship with god and right standing before god but the law yet plays a role in our ability to live righteously it still the law still plays a role everybody say that with me say the law yet plays a role amen christ is the end of the law for righteousness not christ is the end of the law period Right. That's important to understand. And I want you all to get that up front because there's a lot of people who are walking in deception is because they feel like the law has no bearing. It has no importance. Um, It it has no significance in walking with the Lord. Um, I want to deal with two uh, scriptures now testimony of the need for the law in the last days. There is the the, the scripture testifies of the need of the law in the last days. Um, And we know that we're living in the last days. Right. These are the last days. Jesus said literally in the last days, one of the greatest stumbling blocks of churchgoers and issues that will hinder churchgoers from entering into eternal salvation in his eternal kingdom. Watch this. It won't be what? It won't be trying to use the law for righteousness. That will not be. Everybody's saying we are in the law, we ain't under the law, but that won't be the problem. The problem won't be people trying to use the law to be righteous. Right. But on the contrary, what will be the problem? Lawlessness. Right. You know what? Lawlessness will be the problem because nobody believes that the law is important. Everybody, We're not on the laws. Christ is the end of the law. Christ didn't end the law. He ended the law for righteousness. The law still has influence. And so the biggest problem in our day is lawlessness. Why? Because nobody pays any attention to the law. Amen. Um, that's our issue. That's our problem. That's what I want to hit on tonight. It's what I want to teach. I want to read what Jesus says about lawlessness in the book of Matthew when he's when he's um, he's now speaking to his disciples. Um, I believe it's the Mount Olivet prophetic word that he's giving to them about the end times. And he says in Matthew 24, verse 11 and 12 in the Passion Translation. He says, and many lying prophets will arise deceiving multitudes and leading them away from the path of truth. Verse number 12. There will be such an increase of sin and lawlessness that those whose hearts once burn with passion for God and others will grow cold. I'm going to read that last part of that verse. There will be such an increase of sin Everybody say sin and lawlessness, because y'all got to see this connection. Uh, There'll be such an increase of sin and lawlessness that those whose hearts once burned with passion for God and others will grow cold. Right. So what do I need you to take from that? What I need you to take from that is where sin and lawlessness are active in our lives. Where sin and and lawlessness is active. How do I know sin and lawlessness is active in my life? Because affection and passion for the things of God is what? Diminished. People who have no passion for the word. People who have no passion for the presence of God. People who don't have any passion to seek him and to go after him. You best believe what caused that to grow cold. Why aren't you a desire to be in prayer like you used to? Why? Where is your passion to hear his voice? Where is your desire to see his will fulfilled? To see souls saved? To see breakthrough in the earth? Where did that go? What diminished it? How did it grow cold? Because you were warm at one point. There's only one thing. Thing you point to when now passion begins to diminish there's only one culprit for that sin and lawlessness when sin and lawlessness begin to abound the passion and burning desire for God diminishes every time this it can put the fire out amen amen lawlessness diminishes the love of God in our lives, right? The colder our love for God, the easier it is to sin and the harder it is to pursue. The colder our love is, the easier it is to sin and the harder it is to pursue. Or the harder it is not to sin and the easier it is not to pursue. You can look at it either way. It's like, man, I just couldn't get to God today. You know? And that's easy. When, when you're a burning individual, you have, man, I can't, what you mean? I can't, I didn't get to God. I got a problem with that. I didn't hear God. I got a problem with that. God, come on. God didn't move through my life today. I got an issue with that. Amen. Bless the Lord. So lawlessness diminishes the love of God in our lives. The colder the love for God, the easier it is to sin and the harder it is to pursue or the harder it is not to sin and the easier it is not to pursue God. Our love grows cold. Amen. This is what I want to get over to you now so we don't fall into that deception. He said false prophets shall arise and do what deceive what? Many in an, in an atmosphere where there's lawlessness, deception is very easy. It's very easy to be deceived. Amen. About who God is and what God is, is accomplishing and who's in right relationship with God. That deception becomes easy when sin and lawlessness begin to abound. Amen. This is what I need you to understand right here and right now. Guess what? We still need the law. We are not under the law. I ain't saying that. Know how people twist it. We are not under law, but we still need the law. We still need it. I'm going to show you why in a minute. Amen. We need the law just as much today as Israel needed the law when given to them through the ministry of Moses. We we need the law just as much as they needed it when God wrote it in his finger with his finger on stone tablets. We need the law just as much. Right. Everybody say we need the law. If lawlessness is going to be abound, (laughs) what do you think we need? The law. Not for righteousness, though. So this is the key. We just don't need the law to what? We just don't need it to obtain righteousness, right? But we need the law to what? What do we need the law for? To recognize righteousness. Not to obtain it, but to recognize it. The law was our schoolmaster to do what? Bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. The law and the prophets pointed to who? Jesus, the righteous one... The law's purpose was to cause men to be able to recognize righteousness. And that same purpose still stands today. Without the law, we really won't recognize righteousness. We won't understand what righteousness is. Once the law gives me the grace to recognize righteousness, I do not use the law to obtain that righteousness. I then, by grace through faith, Uh, Amen. Implement grace. I, I, I operate in grace through faith to obtain the righteousness that the law helped me to recognize. Amen. Lawlessness is our biggest problem because we've been taught we don't need the law. Can I get a witness in here? That's why we got so much legalized lawlessness in the church. And we call, we call, I'm just independent. No, you, you, work, you work witchcraft. Amen. I just want, need to speak my mind. No, you operate in the spirit of Jezebel. Amen. And, why, and the only reason, it's like, oh, how could you talk and say something like that to somebody? How could you, you, could you, you know, you attack somebody like that? Because you don't know the law. So you don't know what right. When we don't know the law, we actually think that's an insult when it's actually discernment. Amen. Glory be to God. So we ignore the law. Watch this and wind up cutting ourselves off from recognizing righteousness. This is so key. Amen. Everybody say recognize righteousness. Amen. That's the purpose. The law still helps us to recognize. It doesn't help us obtain righteousness. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. But it, he's not the end of the law, period. So, so now we need to deal with the role of the law. Come on, this is some foundational things for perfection and power. So the law didn't so much tell us what to do, but the law told us what? What not to do. Would you agree? Thou shall not. Thou shall not. Thou shall not. So the law didn't so much tell us what to do. The law tell, told us what not to do. So this is the key in, the, in, in understanding the role of the law, Right? But um, when we're doing what we're not supposed to do, please listen closely. It keeps us from being capable of what? Doing what we were designed to do. See, the law told us what not to do. That would keep us from doing what we were designed to do. I'm going to show, I'm going to give you an example of it in a minute. So what we're doing that we're not supposed to do keeps us from being capable of doing what we're designed to do. Righteousness is not what we do. Righteousness is the, it's the righteousness of God. It has nothing to do with what we're not supposed to do. It has everything to do with what we're purposed to do, what we're designed to do, what we were created to do. The righteousness of God has nothing to do with not sinning because it's the righteousness of God and he never sinned, neither can he be tempted by sin. He is the Lamb of God. Without spot or blemish, the righteousness of God has nothing to do with not. It has everything to do with what he can do. Amen. That's so important that we understand that doing the wrong thing locks us outside of being capable of doing the kingdom thing. Amen. Doing the wrong thing keeps us from doing the what? The kingdom thing, not the right thing, the kingdom thing It's not about right. Righteous is not about right or wrong. It's about doing what the king does. Yeah. Amen. It's not just about what we're doing. That's wrong, but what it is that what doing that makes illegal for us to do. That's righteous. Let me give you an example of that. I want to take my time and I want to sit there because we're not going to be judged based off of what we didn't do, or excuse me, what we restrained ourselves from doing, or, but what we were supposed to do that we didn't do. Amen? And so, let's, let, let's move. So we have here now an example of the law exposing righteousness and lawlessness. The law exposes righteousness and lawlessness. Amen? The law exposes both. I'll give you an example. The example is now this Thou, Exodus 20 and 4, second commandment, right? Thou shalt not make any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath. Or that is in the water under the earth. Y'all see that? So how does the law help us recognize righteousness? How does that law do that? If we make a graven image or likeness, we're cut off from being conformed into Christ's image and likeness. Don't do, don't make a graven image or likeness. Because if you do, you will cut yourself off from being conformed into his image and likeness. That law points to righteousness, not me, not making a graven image of likeness. Isn't his righteousness. But if I do that, I'll never be able to enter into the righteousness of being conformed into his image. Everybody follow what I'm saying? So, so this is what I need y'all to understand in that. So to the degree to which we create an image We cannot be conformed into Christ's image. That is the whole purpose of that law. Right. And it helps us to recognize righteousness. And also lawlessness. Because what do we believe lawlessness is? Not just not following the law. The law. Watch this. Points to Christ's righteousness. And helps us to recognize lawlessness. What's lawlessness based on that? You know what lawlessness is based on that? We are as lawless as we're not being conformed into Christ's image. Not being conformed into his image is evidence that we've created a graven image. Why are we not changing? You find somebody that says, this is just the way that I am. I ain't changing. This is just how I'm made. That is lawlessness. Lawlessness. Based on the righteousness of the law. That individual has made an idol, I D O L, which has made them idol, I D L E. Idol in disposition, idol in perspective, idol in demeanor, idol in character. Everybody, found what I'm saying? Many people will never recognize not changing as lawlessness you just is who, are who you are unless you understand the role of the law once you understand the role of the law you can understand that individual who said didn't we prophesy in your name didn't we cast out devils in your name and he said "Away from me i never knew you you who practice what lawlessness because well, how was that lawlessness because that's an individual See, you can operate in your gift without submitting your life You don't have to fully submit your life to operate in your gift. You don't have to keep on conforming to operate in your gift. You don't have to continue to yielding to operate in your gift. You will still hear God's voice when you don't know God. You can still operate in a measure of God's power without relationship with God. All power in heaven and earth has been given me. Who said that? Who said that? Jesus said that. Come on, it ain't a trick question. Jesus said that. So, where does the devil's power come from? He said he will operate in lying signs, wonders, and power. Where did that power come from if all power came from Jesus? It still came from who? Period. And Satan has no relationship with him and yet operates. Illegally usurping and, sh- and, and now implementing the power of God. Everybody understand what I'm saying? And so, so not con- so people who remain stuck in personality, disposition, outlook, and identity, guess what? Are lawless. But without the law, we will not be able to recognize what? Lawlessness. Why am I so vehement about us not staying the same? Why? Because I understand that if you're resisting the Holy Spirit, if you're not changing, you know what I'm saying? Any sin will be forgiven of man, but blasphemy of the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. If you're sitting there saying, I've been moved by the Spirit, but yet it still ain't nothing in me changed, you're blaspheming the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit came. To take, come on John 16, John, uh, to take what belong unto Jesus and to do what? Give it unto us. Not information, take his identity and give it unto us. Not ideas, take his identity and give it unto us. Not ideas, take his mind so we can turn around and say let this mind be in me, that which was also in Christ Jesus. For me not to change is for me to resist the work of the Holy Ghost. But still claim I am in the Holy Ghost. You are blaspheming. Can I just help you? Because this is positioning stuff. I'm trying to put us in a position. Amen. The Holy Spirit don't come to make us tingle. The Holy Spirit don't come to give us goosebumps. The Holy Spirit don't come to make church exciting. Although when he comes, we get goosebumps. Church is exciting. That ain't the purpose. He came and he came with some of Jesus to bring it and allow us to partake of his divine nature. Not being conformed into his image is evidence that we've created a graven image or likeness. The law helps us to recognize righteousness and lawlessness in the dispensation of grace. We still need to be able to recognize righteousness and lawlessness in the dispensation of grace. The law helps us do that. Now, does the law, through the law, do we gain righteousness? Hmm. Christ is the end of the law for what? Once we recognize what's righteous, guess who we go to? Jesus. And through Jesus, we obtain that righteousness. Right? Why is it so hard to change? Amen? Why then is it so hard to change? We have an issue with grace and faith. Amen? Bless the Lord. Now watch this. So... Literally, without that law, thou shall not have any graven image or likeness. We won't be able to recognize a measure of his righteousness, which will cause us to live comfortably in lawlessness. There's a lot of people comfortable in lawlessness right now. Because the love of many shall wax cold and lawlessness shall... Because lawlessness shall abound, the love of many shall do what? Amen. Bless the Lord. It's easy to see people who get bad about sin, but it's hard to see people who burn for his glory. You can be lawless and get mad when they pass an abortion bill. Everybody wants to jump on that. That's easy. You can get... We're cause-driven because we are, we're, we're law, lawless people are very cause-driven. They're not presence-driven. They're not revelation-driven. They're not passionate-driven. They're cause-driven because they can be a part of a cause without actually being uh, uh, f- full-time affectionate for God. That's easy to, it's easier to get mad than it is to love. It's easier to get mad at the devil than it is to love God. So everybody loves to talk about stomping on the devil's head, but nobody loves to say laying on the floor and seeking his face for three hours. We can stop on the devil's head for two. Why can't we lay on the floor for three? For the glory of God. It's easier to hate the devil than it is to love God. That's why so many people talk about stomping on the devil's head. But very few people talk about seeking their God. Amen. So watch this. Lawless people are big on laws. So there are a lot of people in the Christian world today that are mad about the laws they're passing. Amen. But there's victories being won. Do y'all know that our governor, Governor McMaster, that we need to be praying for? Passed the heartbeat bill. How many of y'all know about the heartbeat bill? Amen. Made all abortion in South Carolina pretty much illegal. Y'all know that, right? Our governor did that for us. You know, as a governor that stood up and spoke against genetic, this this new law that they're passing, this equal rights law that says we can't discriminate against gender and that if you're a man that dresses up like a woman and we can see you're you're a man with high heels. I can see it. You're the most rusty knees with high heels on. I can see it now, but I I have to allow you to work in my store, in my business where there are little kids, little boys coming in, and you're deteriorating their moral fabric and desensitizing them to the fact that you're mentally ill. That's what the Bible says a homosexual is they're mentally ill. It's a mental problem to have a man's genetic body and to walk around saying I'm a woman. That's not... Do you understand how mentally ill that is? That's flat out crazy. It's crazy. And I don't say that to bash, but and I have no problem. I'll sit with a... With a, a, I hug one. Hey, 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 there's no part of me that has any issue with it. I hug you because I know the love of God. And the Bible says honor all men, all women. Hey, I don't have a problem with that. You need to be touched by the love of God like nobody else. You touching me ain't going to give me what you got. But me touching you. You mess around and get what I got. Greater is he. I ain't, I know. I know what this thing is. Greater is he that is in me. Don't play with me. I ain't scared of nothing you got. Amen. Why would you get mad at the homosexual when you're the solution for them? Uh their hope is in the glory in you? You don't make me uncomfortable. Let's sit and talk. Sit and talk. Amen. Watch this. But when you are lawless, you get mad at individuals. Why, Why are you mad at them? They're raised like that. Some of them never had exposed to light. Some of them were raised in churches where they never even knew God. Getting preached, one one, uh, preacher reads one verse and hocks and spits for 30 minutes. Of course, they got a problem with church and God. They never been exposed to nothing else. Amen. Bless the Lord. Uh, So anyway, got off topic. Let's go back. The third commandment, the third commandment, watch this. Exodus 20 and 7. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in what? For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in what? I want to look at that commandment based off of the principles that I just shared with you that what God tells us not to do is so we can be in a position to do what he's designed us to do. Right? It's, see, a lot of people just focus on what not to do, but they do not understand what that positions them to be capable of doing. The point is what you can do because you're not doing that. And many people are forfeiting what they were created to do because they thought sin was just about not doing the wrong thing. When in actuality, not doing the wrong thing, disqual- or doing the wrong thing, disqualifies me from performing the righteous thing. Amen? And, and so, so... Uh, Let's look at this. Third commandment. We are not to take the name of the Lord in vain or what? Use his name for useless, meaningless, and insignificant purposelessness. I didn't put out purposelessness. Excuse me. I I started getting cross-eyed while I was typing this. I don't know. My God. I felt like, Peter, the sleep started falling on me, boy. And so I just gave it to my wife. I said, here, put this in a PowerPoint. I ain't even spell check it. I went back over it in my office. I said, my God, they're going to think I can't smell. I ain't got good grammar. No good subject-verb agreement. What is wrong? You used to teach kids. I'm glad you didn't teach my kid. <laughs> just eyes crossing. All right? And so to use his name for useless, meaningless and insignificant purposes why keep in mind the law doesn't give us access to the Lord's righteousness, but helps us recognize his righteousness. Right. That's what the law does. So the law tells us what not to do. So what we can do what we were designed to do. Don't you understand? We were designed to be victorious. We were designed to walk in joy. We were designed to walk in peace. We were designed to walk in the anointing. We were designed to be able to impact the world with our words that when we open our mouth everybody listens because we were designed to make disciples of all nations. We were designed to open our mouth and hopelessness runs out the room. We We were designed to pray and heaven opens up and glory fills. We were designed for that. Amen? So the The law tells us what not to do so we can do those things we were designed. I want to know my purpose. You don't have to ever try to figure out your purpose. Do you understand the the people who are trying to find their purpose are wasting their time? You are wasting your time. He's past finding out. Y'all ever read that scripture? He's past finding out. You ain't going to find it. He's going to reveal it. So that changes the way we pursue him. Come on, it's not about my zeal, it's about my yield. My yielding to him dictates whether or not he ever reveals to me what he's called me to. So a lot of it, I just want to know my purpose. Well, start obeying God. Start yielding in areas you know you're not yielding in. Stop compromising. Amen? He he wants you to know your purpose more than you want to know it. But he knows if he gives it to the wrong version... Some people want to know the purpose before they're righteous, oh, glory, holy and clean enough to do it with clean hands and a pure heart. So we get up and preach before we're pure and start sleeping with the members. Because you sought your purpose more than you sought the per- person who now moves in your heart and makes you capable. You don't never have to figure out what your purpose is. You submit into your purpose. You yield into your purpose. You obey into your purpose. And God will order your steps. Amen. Doing the wrong thing locks us outside of being capable of doing the kingdom thing. When I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I told, I don't know who I was telling this to. I got filled the Holy Spirit is about the 7th to 11th day on our consecration. It was a 21 day consecration like we just did. Uh, I would get up in the morning at 6 a.m., go to morning prayer, go to work, get, get off work, go to 630 prayer, spend the rest of my time. I would just worship at the time I was in Charlotte by myself working and preparing to bring my family back up. We'd already moved here before and we went back to Charlotte. Then we moved back again. Right. And so, um, while I was up there one day, I, I, the, the Spirit of God fell on me. I began to speak in tongues, probably fell on me. The Spirit of God fell on me somewhere between 10 and 11 o'clock. I, I spoke in tongues, rolled on the floor, saw vision, saw my future, saw everything. Um, and I didn't come out of it until about 4 a.m. that morning, just that encounter that I had with God. And I knew exactly what I was going to do. I knew exactly who I was. I knew exactly where I was going. I literally even saw me teaching from the computer screen that I'm teaching from right now all that night. I did not figure that out. It was revealed through yielding and submission to the Spirit of God. That's when we do consecration. I emphasize it and so forth and so on because it takes a sacrifice. Amen. Takes a sacrifice. So so, so now watch this. Um, Why we don't take the name of the Lord in vain? I want to take it a step further. I want to teach this. Amen. Um, We don't take the name of the Lord in vain. So what? We can function in the full purpose and power in his name. The more we take his name in vain, we can't use his name for its purpose and function in his name's power. It's not about just not cursing, saying God and then D. Even though that's taking his name in vain, that's an obvious one. And that is blatant in our, and it affects us. Because that's so rampant. Amen. It causes us. To now demean his name. Amen. It's actually a trick of the enemy to desensitize us. From, to, from when we operate in a mentality that takes his name in vain. How much it cuts us off from operating in the purpose of his name and in the power of his name. Above all else, Jesus came to give us his name. Amen. Amen. That's why we don't take the name of the Lord in vain. So we can use his name for what he gave it to us for. In the name of. Guess what? That ain't working for everybody right now. People are saying in the name of Jesus and no power is being released. They're saying in the name of Jesus, keep me from it. And they're still doing it. In the name of Jesus, don't let me go back. And they're still going back. Why? Because the more we take his name in vain. The less power we have when we speak it out of our lips. Watch this. Come on, follow me for a minute. Because we like to joke in his name. We like to use his name to carry a conversation. I said Jesus. (laughs) And then when we sick. We try to call on that name and the sickness don't budge. Because. There's so much vanity in his name around us that we think we can flippantly throw it out there. That name is purposed to save souls for eternity. That name is purposed to remove cancer from bodies. You don't just throw that name out. Amen? That's our problem. We're in it. We're out of position to now function fully in the power of, we might be able to stop a cough in his name. We done so watered it down with our flippancy. Hello? What are some of the things that happened in his name? Come on, we need to walk this thing out. I need y'all to see this. Watch this. The purpose and the power of his name. We're baptized how? In his name and filled with the Holy Spirit. How? Come on. Acts 2 and 33 Then uh, then Peter said unto them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in what the name of Jesus Christ. And with that name will, first of all, cause your sins to go in remission and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Why are so many people calling on his name and their sins are still there? Why are so many people calling on his name and they're still not filled with Holy Spirit? So many people don't understand the law and its purpose. We can't just use his name for our jokes and our comedy. We can't just use his name to carry on a conversation, a religious conversation with somebody. And I was like, Jesus. And now somebody needs the Holy Spirit. And we're trying to pray over them in Jesus name to receive the Holy Spirit and their heart ain't budging. That's why we don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Not so he can look at us and say, how dare you take my name in vain? Let me spank you for that. It's because of what if we do that, what we can't do. Amen. It's so important to understand these things. Everybody say position. This is about taking a position. Amen. Watch this. Demons obey us in what? Come on, I'm, I'm trying to help you understand why demons ain't coming out of folk. Amen. Then the 70 returned with joy. What did they say? Saying, Lord, even what? The demons are subject unto us. In your name. You know what it goes on to say? You know what Jesus' response to them was? Behold, I give you power. To tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power. How does he give us power over all the power of the enemy? In my name. In your name the demons are. Behold I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. How do we have power over the enemy? In the name of Jesus. That's not a name we play with, and we got to stop feeling social pressure to laugh at folks' Christian jokes. No, man, somebody is going to be on life support, and I can't play with this name so I can use it to bring them back to life. Come on, somebody going to have stage four cancer. And cancer, I, I know his name gives me power. Or oh, I don't care how much power cancer has. Luke 10 and 19 says his name ha- has power over all the power of the enemy and you'll tread. Therefore thou shall not take the n- name of the Lord thy God in vain. It ain't so we can just walk around and say, oops, bad girl. It has a righteous purpose to it. Amen. Not this. So, so we come to the Father, what? In his name. Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No man coming to the father, but have you ever called on Jesus, but yet and still you felt like God was ten, 10, light years away. That's not supposed to happen ever. We're never supposed to be calling on Jesus and not experience the presence of the father. That's never supposed to happen. You all I know that, right? We have a right to come boldly. You don't have to wait for a specific time. He's always open. He never sleeps nor slumbers. He ain't in bed. You go in his name at 2 o'clock, he's there. You go in his name on your break time, he's there. You go in his name while you got tears running down, he's there. There's never a situation or a time where we approach the Father in the name of Jesus and we do not get to the Father unless we've been using his name in vain and now we're asking God, where are you? Amen? Amen. So, says, we lay hands on the sick and they recover. How? In his name. Amen, Kayla. In his name. Acts 4 and 30. By stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done. How? Through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Somebody shout in his name. Come on. His name has real power. Amen. His name has real power. Watch this. Whatsoever we ask in his name, what? He does whatever. Everybody say he's down for whatever. He's actually really down for whatever. Whatever you ask in my name, I want to do it. Right. That's what the Bible says. John 14, 30 and whatsoever you ask what in my name, that will I do that the father may be what glorified. glorified in the son. Amen. These are all things that we're not seeing in his name. I wonder why. You ever ask that? We know it and we're saying, well, where is it at? Why it isn't happening? But you know what we need to, to be able to figure out why? The very thing we said we don't need. The law. We don't get the power of his name through the law. But we, but we learn what not to do that takes us out of position. To operate in the power of his name. Amen. That's why he says come out from among them and be separate. That's why he says love not the world neither the things of this world. Why? Because they are intertwined and interlaced. With vanity towards God. Amen. Watch this. In his name. Watch this. Every living being in all realms of life. Bow their knee and confess with their tongue. Have you ever thought about that? The power of the fact. That at his name. Every living being in every realm. The realm of heaven, they stop and bow their knees. The realm of earth, they bow their knees. And the realm of hell, they bow their knees. That's what Philippians 2 says. Philippians 2 verse 9 through 11 says, Therefore God has also highly exalted him and given him what? The name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in earth and those under earth and every tongue should confess that jesus christ is lord to the glory Uh, see do you understand that fear might be attacking you but when we have the power of his name guess what fear has to do in the middle of the attack we call on his name and fear has to stop and bow its knee and say he is lord I, I want to get him, but he is Lord. I want to attack him, but he is Lord. You can stop the devil's attack in the name of Jesus, and he has to take a bow. Come on. Anybody saw that the, the, the people in a game, before the game, they take a knee? Amen. But, but literally, we can stop the devil in his tracks, and he has to take a knee, because we're calling on the right name. And his name has power. Come on. Anybody know his name still has power? Power. Amen. And we have to stop demeaning it. So we will actually be confident enough in the face of cancer to know that in this name, when I put my hands on you and I and I say in the name of Jesus, it got to go. We, We got to be confident enough when we see the drunk that don't even say two coherent sentences that in the name of Jesus. I know there was a maniac who was cutting himself and running. And that name, I have right to it. So I'm going to stop on the side of the road, pray for this alcoholic that can't say two coherent sentences, and expect him to be clothed and in his right mind. See, we have to get our confidence back in it. We've so used it in vain that we don't even believe those things anymore. But his name has that much power. But there's a measure of... There is a position of reverence that we must get into that will give us the confidence to speak that name and release that result. Look at your neighbor, and tell your neighbor, get back in position. Get back in position. Hallelujah. Get back in position. His name has power. Yes, it does. Hallelujah. Amen. Fever's breaking his name, COVID leaves in his name. Come on, Sane. Boys stop murdering boys in his name. Murder has to bow its knee too. Watch this. Watch this. Ooh, that was so neat. Look at that. I'm on to fly make it fly back. I just want to do that again. That was neat. Y'all see that? Watch this. Huh? Go ahead now. All right, I'm done. I ain't going to do it. All right. The purpose and power of his name. Watch this. That's the last time. Okay. Glory to God. All right. His name is a strong tower. The righteous can run into and be protected in what? His name. Right? Come on. So literally Proverbs 18 and 10, the name of the Lord, let's say the name, the, Lord. the name of the Lord. That's not just the scripture we quote the name. His we can run in his name like we run in our house. Come on. We can get inside of his name. And be secured. Amen. In the name of the Lord is a strong Tower it you it's not just the na- that's not just, no na- it's not just something you can go into it's a strong tower towers are high it can take you above the attack it can take you above the pressure it can take you above the anxiety it can take you above what seems to be defeating you you can just run in his name and all of a sudden that which seemed to be face to face with you is beneath you and all you did was call on his great name the name of the Lord it's not just a tower it's a strong tower come on the devil can't huff and puff and blow it down Mm. it's a strong tower the righteous can run to. Come on. You ain't got to walk there. You ain't got to work to get there. You can get there quick. It don't even take long. It don't, it don't take a whole bunch of exercise. You can run in. On the end of one word, you can be in there. On the end of one word. that Just one word. That's how strong his name is. Come on, I stare somebody to shout the name of Jesus. I did to shout Jesus. Come on, come on, come on, Jesus. 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 Watch this. Y'all feel that? Come on, we're, we're getting the confidence back. Come on we can only bend his name he said when you pray Kobe pray like this Hallelujah like uh, uh, our father hmm which art in heaven. You know what he says after that, Mario? Hallow be. Mm. You, oh, come on. hallow that name. Set that name apart. Come on, make that name greater than. hollow be thy name. And when you get that name right, your kingdom will come. And your will will begin to be done in the earth as it is in it. We just gotta get back in the position where we properly reverence that great name. Hey. Oh nah, nah, hallowed be Thy name. Oh, we're not so that name in the morning, that name in the noonday. Oh nah. Jesus. Jesus, Our prayer has power based on how much his name is hallowed in our heart. Sanctify the Lord in your heart. That name is not common. Renda. Watch this. Koma. When two or three gather in his name, he comes in his presence, watch this, and places his permission on what they're asking for. He said, look here, when you gather in my name, I'm going to show up to make sure whatever you're asking for happens. The, you know the scripture says that? Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Matthew 18 and 20. For where two or three are gathered in my name, what? I am there in the midst of them. See, we read verse 20, but verse 19 makes it make sense. Why is he in the midst of them? Because verse 19 says, watch this, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask for, it will be done for them. Why did I show up? I showed up to make sure whatever you ask for, it will. How do I know it's going to happen? It ain't because I'm shouting when I pray. It ain't because I'm demonstrative. It's because he's here. My God, we came and he came. And if he's here, whatever we're asking for. Somebody shout, his name is great. Yes, Lord. His name is great. Yes, Lord. So this is why we're talking about righteousness now and recognizing righteousness and lawlessness. I'm trying to bring all this together for us. Now, when I watch this, this is the key. This is the key. This is the key. key. We don't take the name of the Lord in vain. So what? We can function in the righteousness of the full purpose and power of his name. Everything I just went over with you is what's supposed to happen when we say his name. Y'all know that, right? Something is supposed to happen. When we say the name of Jesus. Oh, non and to the degree, watch this, we're not seeing the intended outcomes of his name. It points back to the influence of using the Lord's name in vain. It's not our intention. It's not what we're doing because we don't want to revere God and bless him. It's because we don't know the law, man, and we don't understand what it, how it helps us be able to recognize righteousness. The law reveals his righteousness and also measures of lawlessness. I want to show you this. Watch this. To the measure we as believers are not walking in what? The full purpose and power of his name. We're not walking in our intended measure of righteousness. And are therefore being influenced by lawlessness. How do I know lawlessness is influencing me? Because stuff ain't happening like it's supposed to happen when I say his name. I got to deal. Lawlessness is creeping at the door waiting to master me. How do I know lawlessness is there? Because the law helped me to recognize righteousness is saying his name and being safe. Righteousness is saying his name and being filled. Righteousness is saying his name and him being in the midst. Amen. Everybody following me. Glory to God. Give me a few more minutes. Amen. This is a posturing and positioning word. Some of you are going to take this word and let it do more than what happened to your heart while you were here and you're going to get in position this year and next year what comes out of your mouth in his name is going to change your whole neighborhood. You're going to go in the food line and say something in his name and shift what's happening in the store. His name has that. You're going to start a revival with your praise in his name. Stuff is going to start happening unusual because when you set his name apart and don't use it for common things, uncommon things start happening around who we are. Amen. So watch this. The cost of taking his name in vain. What's the cost of taking his name in in vain? Watch this, and it's so key. To the degree we take his name in vain, we can't take his name into victory. I want y'all to understand that first. To the degree we take his name in vain, we can't take his name into victory. That's important to understand. His name is supposed to not give us the victory, but cause us to experience the victory he already got. In his name, I do not overcome sin. I already died to it. I was buried with him by baptism into death. How am I baptized, though? In his name. So my ba- if, if I don't understand not taking the Lord's name in vain, even my baptism doesn't do what it's supposed to do. Amen? Somebody say Positioning. Now watch this. We can use his name to get a laugh, but not to release a healing. That's sad. We're ready to say a joke in his name, but if somebody come in a wheelchair, we ain't ready to tell them to get up in his name. There's something wrong about how we're working his name. Amen. It's important to understand these things. Watch this. So literally, we can use His name to express stress. Lord, I was in there and I was just saying, Jesus, just get me through, Jesus. I thought so I'll go on. Do you, do? you know how we do. Yeah. You know, we use His name to express our stress, so we can't use His name to enforce His peace. Do you understand? We can enforce peace on our own mind in His name. Your mind can't just do what it wants to do in his, well, not when you're in his name. Your heart, your emotions can't just do what it wants to do. Not in his name. Amen. So many times we use his name to assist in common conversation so we can't use his name when we need to accomplish something that's uncommon. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What does vain mean? Vain means uselessness, right? So literally, to take the name, do I need to go back? We good? And I'll start providing the slides for y'all. I'll do a printout or something. To take the name of the Lord in vain is to water down his name in our lives where we can't what? Use his name for what it's capable of. When we take his name for, in vain, we water down the power of his name where we can't no longer use his name for what his name of, is capable of accomplishing. So demons are subject unto us what? In his name. But when we see a man or a woman severely oppressed by the the demonic, what do we do? We just say within ourselves, they need what? Deliverance. But we don't even have an instinct to say, let me go over there in the name of Jesus and release deliverance. It's not even in our, we have so demeaned his name, we don't have that type of confidence in it anymore. Amen. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. That the righteous can run through, run to and be safe, but because of the influence of lawlessness and a lack of righteousness, when depression comes, when heaviness comes, when discouragement comes, and all that light comes, we say that name and yet we wind up what? Depressed? We wind up discouraged. We didn't say the name. I said, Jesus, don't let it happen. And it happened. We wind up depressed. We wind up um, heavy. His name doesn't yield us to the place of safety, although his name is capable of and purpose to yield us to the place of safety. Why? Why is it not somewhere or another vanity concerning his name is influencing our approach to God? How many people are baptized in his name and that are never subsequently baptized in the Holy Spirit? It ain't always on the one that's being baptized. Sometimes it's on the one that's actually carrying out the baptism. Y'all know that, right? Because the apostles would lay their hands on believers and they would be what? Filled with the holy. It's not always on the faith of the one that's being baptized. Sometimes it's the one doing the baptism. It depends on their reverence of that great name. Amen. Watch this. I'm almost done. So let me just run this real quick. We're almost out of here. Using the name of the Lord in vain detracts from the capability of his name coming from our mouth. It does not detract from the power of his name overall. People can still fully benefit from his name. We just won't. To the degree we live, we, we now use his name in vain. We can't take, diminish God's power. We just can diminish his power on a personal level in our experience. Amen? I don't know about you, but I don't want to diminish his power in my life. I want whatever's supposed to happen when I'm worshiping to happen. I want whatever's supposed to happen when I'm praying to happen. I want whatever's supposed to happen when I'm preaching to you all to happen. Because whatsoever we do in word or deed, we do what? In the name of the Lord. Amen. So our issue is we love Christian comedy, but we lack kingdom demonstration. We will go. We'll go to Christian comedy, but we will not go to a healing service and expect folk to get out of wheelchairs. We'll expect to laugh before we expect to see a miracle. Come on, am I telling the truth? Amen. And there's nothing wrong. Please hear me. I'm not against laughing. There's nothing wrong. Laughter is a good medicine. The Bible says that. There's nothing wrong with a good laugh, but there's something wrong when we can't perform a good miracle. Amen. We, we, we doing all the laughing, but ain't nobody being healed. Nobody being saved. Maybe we have, maybe that's why he says turn your laughter in the morning in James. Maybe not because he just doesn't want us to walk around mourning, but your laughter has now caused you to trespass into vanity. We need to pull back a little bit. Amen. Last section. The significance of his name. The significance of of his name. The meaning of the word name, it comes from the Hebrew word, believe it or not, shame is how it's pronounced. It's spelled S-E-M, but it's actually pronounced like we pronounce or or spell our word shame. It's S-E-M, but it's pronounced shame. Right? That's the word name. And it is a mark of individuality. It means, watch this. So n- name is the Hebrew word shame. It is a mark of individuality, honor, authority, fame, renown, and reputation. Name, when, when we say in the name of Jesus, we're saying in his honor, in his authority, in his fame, in his renown, and in his reputation. Using the Lord's name points to his fame, his honor, his authority, his renown, and his reputation. To say in the name of Jesus is to say in his reputation. Everybody say reputation. That's key that we understand that because it places an accountability on us. Those he has given his name to. He does not give his name to the world. He gives his name to his bride. We're the ones called to operate and steward and use the name of Jesus. Everybody using his name can't use it. That's why nothing happens. The sad thing is, is when nothing happens in here just like it, nothing happens when they say it out there. That's when it's a problem, amen? How much we honor his, his name is how much he lives up to his reputation. I want y'all to get that. How much we honor his name is how much he lives up to his reputation. Right? He is a healer. Would everybody agree that Jesus is a healer? That's a part of his what? Reputation. And to the degree we don't take his name in vain, we'll see him live up to his reputation and we will see healing in his name. But when we take his name in vain, guess what we do? We assassinate his reputation. So we're saying his name and folk ain't being healed. Guess what's happening? We're changing his reputation. And his name does heal. But hallowed must be his name. If his kingdom is going to come. There's a lot of, Jesus is a deliverer. Would everybody agree he has a what reputation as a what deliver? And to the degree we don't take his name, what in vain, we'll see him live up to his reputation and he will what deliver? But there are people coming to church week after week hearing his name and they're not being delivered. Guess what's happening? He's we're changing his reputation. And don't even realize it. his reputation is being changed by us. Man, I ain't going to church. There ain't nothing going on. Man, I go to church for two hours. I could do that at home. I could just, you know, listen to some inspirational music. The same thing happened when I listen to inspirational music that happened when I come to church. Make me feel better for a while, but then I got to go back to struggling. Amen. Why am I calling on his name and I'm not changing? Why am I calling on his name and I'm not living in greater victory? What if it's not the devil? What if it's we not uh, me and you not understanding righteousness and not repositioning ourselves according to understanding the righteousness of God? What if we need to, to repent of some things? Amen. I'm going to say this part and I'm, I'm pretty much done. The world will only see measures of the true power of his name through sons and daughters who don't take his name in vain. Therefore, they can take his name in power. What happens when you get two or three that don't play with his name? They can make up for the other 500 in the room. It could be 500 in a room. All God needs is two or three. In the whole room. And everybody gets changed by the glory. of. God. All I need is two or three. We're aiming for a crowd when all we need is two or three to change the city. Two or three that actually sanctify the Lord in their heart. Amen. The enemy knows that, so he's constantly bombarding us with a culture that desecrates his name. Amen. We constantly see see movies that desecrate his name. Men and women living together who aren't married. That's a desecration of his name. Amen. People using foul language. The Bible says he who who doesn't keep his tongue, his religion is worthless, doesn't bridle his tongue. No matter how you praise and shout, if you flip it with your mouth, your religion is worthless is what James says. But we're constantly bombarded with people who just say stuff, who let, let your yay be yay and your nay be nay. And we constantly say stuff we really don't mean. And all of the whatsoever we do in word or... We do in the name. We, 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 we don't understand. There has to be a sanctification. Why was consecration so important? Because that was supposed to bring us into a position. You know why God is dealing with me about this right now? Because I've been in consecration. Anytime you go into consecration, you come out sharper. You come out dividing stuff at a sharper measure because you come out of the influence of a world and you can hear the, a holy God in a way that can bring purity to his people. It's just sharp after consecrate. It's just different. But it's not condemning. It's the truth. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It's the truth. That's why we need consecration. That's why you need to fast one day a week. Not so you fast. No, set yourself apart so you can sanctify his name in your heart. Don't play with that stuff. It has a purpose for righteousness. It has a purpose to it. We are not going to see the glory of God through watching Christian movies. Y'all know that, right? And how they motivated us. And I ain't telling you not to watch Christian movies, but we got to do more than that. Our time for God has to be more than that. We got to stop being bored on the weekend. And stop taking his name in vain. God didn't give us all that life and blessing so we can sit around and figure out what we can do that has nothing to do with his kingdom. We're bored because we're taking his name in vain and every weekend wasting it on vain things that don't profit for nothing. And we could be serving. We could be serving in church. We could be serving in purpose. We could be witnessing to somebody. We could be finding out what can we do in the church. Does the church need to be clean? Do, what, what, does, what needs to be done for the purposes of God? And we're sitting at home bored trying to figure out something to do in the name of Jesus. That's vanity. Vanity. It's high time. For we have given ourselves for the lusts of men. To now live for the will of God. How we live life either honors his name or or, or now takes his name in vain. How we spend our time. Hear me. All of that. You don't do nothing in church, well what do you do? What does your life consist of? I guarantee you stress. Frustration. Fighting with depression. That's what that bears because you are giving yourself to vanity and that's what vanity produces. When you begin to really embrace God, you ain't got time to be depressed. I ain't got time for that. You ain't got time for the discouragement. I ain't got time for that. Amen. His name is too good for that. How many of you wake up in the morning blessing his name? Come on, man. First thing come out and make yourself start talking to the Lord. It changes everything. I'm closing. I'm closing. I just want to say just over us a short prayer. I want to say a short prayer over us today. That as a people, we won't take this word and treat it as an experience instead of an invitation. That we would hear God's inviting voice to come into a reverence that we have crept out of. That we would again... Commit ourselves to sanctifying the Lord in our heart and our mouth. Consecrating his name. Cutting off the meaninglessness that we've attached to a name that's so valuable for so many reasons. I just want you to pray with me tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Call my son. I sense the Lord ready to do things that eyes have not seen nor ear heard I sense the Lord wanting to accomplish things through us as a people and he's trying to put us in a position where that can be done but we must we must hallow the name of the Lord so I want I want to pray a prayer of repentance and I don't want to pray a prayer of repentance over you. I want to pray a prayer of repentance over us. That the Lord would grant us grace to turn from thoughts that aren't even conscious of irreverence. That he would grant us grace to see our error and to turn for him to help, for help. That we would walk as a people that sanctify and hallow the name of our God. Father God, I, I bless you for loving us enough to speak to us tonight. Thank you for coming with the sharp, double-edged sword of your word. Dividing tonight. God, we see what you've illuminated. And we ask for mercy tonight. Wash us of irreverence. Purge us of profaneness. Forgive us for treating the incorruptible God as one like corruptible man. Tonight, let us see again that you've been given a name above all names. Tonight again, let that name impact our heart like it did when you called us out of darkness. When that name saved our soul when that name broke our rebellion, when that name brought us to tears and yielding after a life in sin, restore our reverence of that great name. God, give us grace to stand against irreverence, not to be rude, but not to be reverent either. Give us grace not to laugh at your name. Give us grace not to allow your name to be the butt of jokes. Give us grace, God, in the name of Jesus. Break us out of that religious stupor that keeps us asleep to the fact that your name is not accomplishing what you called your name to accomplish. Your reputation is being damaged. Awaken us to righteousness. Righteousness. let us again experience the privileges and promises of your great name father we thank you for that we bless you for that give us grace to take a position in this truth position of sobriety concerning your name It's in the mighty name of the Lord Christ we pray even right now. Amen. Amen.